The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to She Talks Health with Sophie Shepard. Today's woman has a lot of questions about their health and lifestyle choices. But where can you get the right answers? The answer is here and the time is now. Here is your host, Sophie Shepard. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the She Talks Health radio show. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, functional nutrition practitioner and women's menstrual health coach coming to you on the health and wellness channel for Voice America. And Voice America is the largest internet radio network in the world. So hello to the US and Canada and a special shout out to Japan for tuning in last week. So nice to have you on. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to to today's show. I'm so grateful for you for tuning in. It is my absolute pleasure to do this show each and every week and to serve you fully in this way. And if you are looking for the latest in women's menstrual and digestive health, please go ahead and follow me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. Today, I am geeking out because we are going to be talking all about our genetics and how these things influence all sorts of things in our bodies from our respiratory system to anxiety, insomnia, depression, hair loss, and even things like weight loss that we can't seem to achieve, fatigue that we're feeling, autoimmune skin issues. I mean, I could just go on forever. And to guide us through this really delicate and beautiful topic, I have um, Erica Gray here. Dr. Gray is um, a UCSF trained pharmacist, educator, and national speaker, and the co-founder and chief medical officer of Toolbox Genomics. And she has been speaking uh, all over the place on podcasts and national TV about the role of genetics in our health. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sophie. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you. You and I have the best conversations, <laughs> and so <laughs> I can't wait to uh, explore them today on on air for everyone. And a place I love to start with most people is they, they get into these kind of uh, different parts of health through their own health story or through someone in their family. And if memory serves, you got into this because you ran maybe a 23andMe or an Ancestry or something like that with your father. I can't quite remember the story, but I remember being so fascinated. Would you share with the audience how you got involved in starting this company? Yeah. So actually, it's my mom. So my mom is is my my secret secret sauce, um, and so she did her twenty three and me and was really wowed by the information, but also was curious, you know, how accurate it was. And so then the next thing was, we have to get, check your dad. We have to check Papa. And so we did. And then lo and behold, he's a carrier for the APOE gene. So he's at a higher risk for Alzheimer's. And he, my dad's just been forgetful all of his life, like leaving his wallet on the top of the car and then driving off with it. Uh, my mom just told me he left his, his wallet at, um, Whole Foods in Huntington Beach, and he had to backtrack. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! <laughs> a half an hour. So, this has always been my life growing up with my dad, and so we were really curious to see, like, is this just him truly being forgetful, or could there be another component to it? And so that's when I really started getting into it and looking at the role of the genetics with him. You know, really as my test case. 
And the first thing I had to figure out is, is there literature behind this? And can you give recommendations um, to support these different genes? Because we have so many different genes in our body. And if we can't give people actionable recommendations that are evidence-based, it's information. It's a nice to have, but then it, be, it can become paralyzing. Well, I don't know what to do with this information because people want to take action. So that's really what led to the development of Toolbox was I, my co-founder is an ER nurse and we would chat. And I told her what I was doing. And she's like, you've got to do something more with this. And so that's how we co-founded Toolbox. I absolutely love this. I love the name Toolbox, by the way. I don't think I've ever told you that. I think it's great. Thank you. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. Yes, because when you look at health, I always say we have to add things to our toolbox, right? We we can't just hit it everything with a sledgehammer and not everything is going to be handled with a screwdriver. We need lots of tools. And so I love how you even named your company with hopefully with that in mind, I guess, and (laughs) tying it all together. Exactly right. And I think it's really important for people to realize like the whole purpose of a toolbox is you have a whole complement of things available to you and you are going to pick and choose how you utilize those tools. You might use them together for a certain project or you might use them individually. And depending on where you are in your continuum in your life and what's going on, you are going to make different selections. So I just think it's such an important thing for people to realize that genetics is is going to occupy a portion of that and you're going to come back and ask it questions and you're going to do things with it. You may not use all of the tools that genetics provides you on day one. I, I think that's really important. I get a lot of complicated hormone and digestive health clients and they want to take on the world, which I totally understand, but we have to step through it one step at a time. And I think genetics is just another component to that. I know you and I have talked a lot about how can I add this into my practice so that it's another tool in the box and how does it fit into the overall impression when you're kind of taking in a client's history. So I guess that's is a really good place to start. How do you see um, genetics fitting into the bigger picture of things like nutrition and supplementation and even medication? How does that all fit in? And, and, and can you share some insights or an example for the audience so they can start to grasp what we're really talking about here? <laughs> yeah. So a, a couple different examples come to mind. So I think everybody should run their genetics from day one. Um, and I, I, I'm biased, but I love how we set up our <laughs> program, which is you don't need to get all of your information at once. Um, so we really did hone it down into panels or traits to make it more accessible. But at a fundamental point, everybody has to make choices around the food that they eat um, and the supplements that they're going to potentially take. And I cringe when I get emails from people who say, hey, I read this um, about this new product on a blog post. Do you think I should take it? And, the, <laughs> and I, I have one patient who emailed me his supplement list. And no joke, I think there were 60 different supplements on there because every time he read a new article that he felt spoke to him, he would buy that supplement. Oh, no. And, <laughs> And so it just, it was like, he, and he goes, I'm spending $2,000 a month. I was like, well, yes, of course you are. 
we need to really dial this back and actually be much more thoughtful about the selection. And so that's really where the genetics comes in is how do we, how are we more thoughtful? How do we identify where are the particular areas that you need more diet or supplement support? Because once we start doing tackling those two areas, that's going to set the fundamental groundwork for everything else that we do. And I know it's not sexy, and I know it's not as exciting as saying, I have this amazing supplement, and it's going to solve all of your problems. And really, it's sending people back into the kitchen and actually having them make their own food and getting some sunlight and taking their D3. I know that's not as exciting, but it's this is a long game. Health is not in is something that we just turn around in the next week and the next month. Um, we, for some people, they will see definite improvements once they, they, um, you know, replenish different nutrients, but it, we we're in this for a long, for our entire lifetime and we want to have a good quality of life. So I really endorse the, is the nutrition optimization. You start there, get a good sense of that, and then you can start building on from there. This is really important. I want to pull this apart for people who might be listening and not quite understanding how crucial this is. I mean, think about if you're listening to this and you have, for example, weight that you've never been able to lose, right? And you've tried being a vegan, you've tried doing keto, you've tried every you know popular diet out there and nothing has worked for you. This is what Dr. Gray is talking about. It's It's one size fits all approach does not work most of the time. Sometimes you get it right, right? And you see results and that's what people are talking about. But if you're one of those women that's walking around so frustrated because, you know, you're twin sister is doing ketogenic diet and you tried it and nothing happened. In fact, you got worse. And you gained weight. You gained weight. This is when genetic testing can come in handy because we're talking about fine tuning like every lever that you can pull in nutrition optimization and these lifestyle sciences, including supplementation. So yes, there are so many supplements out there. People are blogging about them. They're on Instagram about them. But just because it generally helps a population with something doesn't mean it's going to help you. And in some cases, it can, it can hurt. So I think that this testing really helps to narrow down what is true for you, if that's what I'm understanding from, from you, Dr. Gray. Yes. And so here's a great example. So I had a, a consult with a practitioner. And so we were going through um, the, the patient's results. And I had mentioned, and the patient, and here's what's really interesting. So you, you will get some people and they'll get their results back and they'll say, well, that wasn't as um, inspiring or as eye-opening as I had thought. And so I always encourage people to say, okay, but hold on, let's, let's take a step back because there's two important things that will come out of this when you really put it into the context of your life. The first is it will confirm that many of the suspicions or the thoughts that you had about around the foods or the supplements that you should be taking often are true. The second is it might identify areas that you didn't actually put together are an issue. So for this particular patient, he was lactose intolerant um, genetically. And so I had mentioned this to the practitioner. I said, by the way, just double check that he's not eating any dairy because that could be an issue for him. Well, lo and behold, he loved his string cheese. He Mm. ate his string cheese daily. So with this information, the practitioner went back. They had a conversation. And I spoke to the practitioner three weeks later. And he said, oh, it turns out my patient was having chronic diarrhea. And... As soon as he stopped the string cheese, 
the diarrhea went away. And I said, now that to me is the perfect demonstration of the power of the genetic test of highlighting something he didn't even think of was causing an issue. And by the way, he had gone to multiple practitioners, but this is also the same patient who initially said, oh, well, there's nothing here that's earth shattering on my results. So take home message is there always is something to be gleaned. Sometimes we don't know how to look at the report. And so we need practitioners to work with practitioners like you. Or it is going to confirm what you are already doing correctly. And that's something that's going to be the trajectory of your health life. Wow. So much, so many good little jewels in there. Number one, that I love this idea about the dairy because this is probably like, you know, food group number one or two that is often removed with, with clients of mine when we do food sensitivity testing, for example, or we just remove it and we see how much better they feel. I had a, um, a client who did a 10 day, I have a 10 day digestive and hormone reboot and we do a bit of an elimination diet during it. And she found out that at, at age 44, she'd basically had a dairy allergy her entire life because we know that dairy can sometimes show up as um, nasal, you know, mucus creating, causing strep throat, things like that and acne. Um, And so she had experienced all these things. And then later in life, it started to show up in digestive ways. And so when she took it out, she realized she wasn't getting sick anymore. I mean, she was getting sick with whatever her three-year-old kid was bringing home every, every week, she said. Almost three weeks out of the month, she felt run down, took dairy out and she felt so much better. She got six, like once a time, oh, one time a, a year now. So this stuff is huge. And I love what you said, like confirm what you're doing is right for the long haul because oftentimes we'll, we'll do a program or we're like, we'll do whole 30 and, and we feel great for 30 days, but then, you know, the things start, the ice cream starts back in or the gluten starts back in or whatever starts back in. And it's hard to know, well, is this really affecting me? You know, long-term, I don't know, you know, and then you, you end up getting, for example, painful menstrual cycle and you're like, well, wonder why that's happening. And you don't even think about the fact that, you know, inflammation could be created from a food that you're sensitive to or that genetically you, you know, are lactose intolerant, like you said. So this is a huge piece of the puzzle. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And even I think um, chronic sinus infections are much, much more prevalent than a lot of people realize. And I feel like people who have these chronic sinus infections, like it's a revolving door for them going back to their practitioner saying it's still not working. My, you know, I've got this residual that's just not going away. And so my grandmother was one of those people and we, we tested her genetics and she was really cute because my mom had told her for, for years, you know, she should probably cut back on dairy or just cut it out completely. And it took us getting her genetics for me to say, this is why you need to actually cut it out. And she was funny. She goes, is anyone else in the family have this problem? I was like, no, sorry. She goes, oh, she goes, I can't believe this. But she goes, all right. She was a trooper. And so at 89, she did this. So, you know, oh it's gosh. not too late to start. And her uh, sinus infections went away. So it's, <laughs> we are, we're, she's laughing because we are videoing this so we can see each other. And my jaw literally just dropped. <laughs> I love this. I want my boyfriend to get this. He gets chronic sinus infections, although he doesn't get them as much anymore since I've had him 
kind of cut down on sugar and gluten. He's been working with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it would be great for him to know what, what are some of his potential triggers so that he can be more selective over the things that he does long term, like you said. Because sometimes it's hard. You don't want to be so restrictive, right, with your diet forever. But if there's certain things that you can right. pull, levers you can pull, then that's, that's great. Wow. 89. I know. I know. She, she's, she's so cute. And actually just a fun story. So, you know, because we've all been sheltering in place, she's been feeling a little lonely. So we're actually going to, um, she's 94, she'll be 94 this year. And so we said, we should do a zoom call. And so her question to her assisted care technology person, well, is it going to be zoom or Skype? So you could just tell, like, she's so on top of it. And so she's been the best person to do the genetics for because she really has enjoyed it. Wow. That's so funny. I love, <laughs> I love hearing that. You know, you, you're, you're bringing up something that I, I also, I know we talked about before and I was shocked to, to hear this. And I know it's something a lot of people are, are probably dealing with right now, which is, you know, we're at home, we're in shelter in place or quarantine of some type. And, you know, that's when the alcohol starts to get busted out. <laughs> that's when the ice cream starts to get busted out, like whatever your, your advice is. How can genetics play a role in looking at things like addiction? I know you mentioned uh, there are certain people genetically who, you know, really look forward to their glass of wine at night. And we think of that maybe being a problem, you know, alcohol addiction, but how, how is that linked into uh, genetics? Yeah. So COMT is this one particular gene that um, I would say it, it's probably getting more um, attention. It's it, MTHFR is still the queen bee that gets all the attention, <laughs> but that's only one gene. Um, and there's many other ones. I, so won't, CO- I won't say the, the crude name that we all call MTHFR, <laughs> but you guys can figure it out, hopefully. <laughs> well, and then some people have t-shirts and they literally say, excuse me, I'm a mutant, which is... It's funny, but it's also just such the bad way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think an important caveat I just want to share with all of your listeners is that we want genetic diversity. Genetic diversity is what is going to allow us to succeed in our environment. So our environment is going to put different pressures onto our genetics and how we interact with them. We are going to have changes and their variants. And it's going to be the thing that makes my hair curly or someone else's hair straight, um, eye color, et cetera. But it also has to do with how we're going to deal with our environment. And so that's actually how the lactose intolerance gene came about is it's when people, we started off being lactose intolerant. And so because everyone around the equator You didn't have cattle, but then as people migrated and they moved north, now they needed to develop an ability to digest lactose. And so there you go. It was an environmental pressure that changed the, the, um, the variants. I remember learning that in school and it's still shocking to hear that. That's amazing. That's, oh my goodness. And so what you're talking about is, I think the overarching, arching word for this is epigenetics, right? The idea that we... Right. So we have control over our environment and our environment can dictate up to, I believe, 90% of how our genes are showing up, how they're expressing themselves in these different ways. Do I have that correct? Yes, I'm not sure about the 90%. Those that it's it's somewhere it's a very large percentage and it's somewhere pretty high up there. But yes, that's sure. exactly exactly correct. And so I just want to highlight 
that we want that diversity. We, we, ex- we want our bodies to be able to change and adapt to the environment. Um, that doesn't mean that those variants are mutations. They're not a chromosome abnormality like we would test for in prenatal testing or like Huntington's. That's, that's a, it's very different. So I just want to make sure people understand that that difference. Yeah, that's a really good, helpful thing. It also brings it back to why this testing is helpful and not harmful because we're looking at how can you affect change in your, right, in your genetics through the environment that you're in to optimize your health and as opposed to like, okay, you have this issue um, that you can never fix. Um, there might be things that you could do to support so support your body with the environment that you're keeping. And by, by environment, I don't necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, but environment means stress. It means the foods. It means the supplements. It means the air, microbiome. of course, but yeah, microbiome, right? Not, not the environment as in like you live in a city, you live in the country, the environment. We're talking about the whole, the whole environment, right? All yes. these things that influence our health. Yeah, I think they're calling it the exposome now. Um, yes, fancy, fancy term. <laughs> <laughs> but it's everything that our cells come in contact with. Wow, it, everything our cells come in contact with, which must be a huge amount of things. A huge amount of things, right? And I mean, but we can really dial it down to the the factors that you just highlighted. And that's where the stress comes in because stress raises cortisol. Cortisol now bathes our cells. And so our cells are going to have a response to it, you know, because it's fight or flight time because we're, we're running from that scary tiger, which really is just, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with homeschooling my children or how am I going to deal with having meetings at home with my children? Yeah. I mean, even something like that um, can come into play. So going back. Yeah. Sorry. We got off. COMT, which is a big deal. A big reason why you and I are even on on this call is because my COMT is looking a little sluggish. So we could talk about that too, but tell us what this is, the COMT. Yeah. So it's, it stands for catechol-O-methyltransferase. So it's just this big fancy word for an enzyme. Um, and its whole job is to break down dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine in your brain, in your liver. It's also going to play a role in breaking down your estrogens because estrogens go through all kinds of different breakdown processes so they can finally get excreted out. And estrogen, you're going to get rid of it either through urine or through feces. Oh, you got to get rid of it. Um, so, so COMT is going to play a role in there. And what it is, it's an enzyme. And so this enzyme either works faster than the average person or it works slower than the average person. Now, there's benefits to both, right? So if you're a fast COMT, you're going to break those um, different products down faster. So for those people, they might have better um, estrogen levels, you know, estrogen metabolism, metabolite levels. Um, but conversely, you are also potentially looking for those dopamine rushes, those epinephrine or epinephrine rushes because you're breaking it down so much. And we know that dopamine is a great reward system. So you like the brain likes getting that. And so you may be looking um, at behaviors or foods that are going to increase dopamine. So people with fast COMT may be prone towards addiction. 
um, because they're going to break it down. They might be more prone to extreme sports or risk-taking. And I'm going to put a caution on there that if you have a teenager, remember that their frontal lobe is not very well formed and hormones are incredibly powerful. So it is important that if you have a teenager, you're going, oh my gosh, they're taking all this risk-taking behavior. Maybe they're a fast COMT. They very well could be, but also remember that the hormones are also playing a role into this. So I just always want to caution parents on that. But knowing your child's COMT status is also incredibly helpful. The converse to this is somebody who's a slow COMT. So they're slower to break down that dopamine, norepinephrine, um, slower to break down those catechol um, uh, estrogen metabolites. And so what ends up happening is you get um, residual, you get a backup in those slow COMTs. So when you are stressed or you're anxious, you are actually going to create some more epinephrine and, and norepinephrine in your brain. But now this enzyme is just really having a hard time breaking it down. So you feel like your anxiety levels go up. You feel um, your your surveillance. You tend to surveil, surveil your, is that even a word? Um, you, need, you tend to scan your environment with a more of a fear or a worry um, stance. So then it now the world looks scarier. The world looks more overwhelming. And in times of stress, that is going to be amplified. So knowing that it can be really, really helpful. And I remember when my son was really starting to get into harder math problems, and he's a slow COMT, by the way, he would say, mama, my brain hurts. I just can't do this anymore. And until I really learned more about COMT and what it does, I was like, well, come on, just muscle through it because I'm an intermediate metabolizer. I bounce between the, the two. And he was saying that, and when I realized that he was slow, it was, it was more like, oh, so when he hits that point that there's a lot of information flooding his brain, he actually gets a little bit more overwhelmed. Well, what that translated to was his brain hurt. But, <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, because they can't quite verbalize it. But when you start understanding that, the way you interact with people, it's much easier to have compassion. It's much easier to have an understanding of where they're coming from because they're going to, they just perceive the world differently. And my husband's a slow COMT as well. And he will always make sure that we are as prepared as could be because he is thinking about that worst case scenario that just could be around the corner versus I, I'm not at all. Oh my goodness. This has been incredible. We're about one minute from break, but I think I'm a slow COMT too. My, um, my hormone test showed that I am not uh, um, processing estrogen out very well. So I think that this is just a really good place to, to pause, but I just wanted to wrap that in. You know, I work a lot with women's hormones and why this is so important, you guys, is if you are dealing with estrogen dominant like symptoms like PMS or anxiety uh, related depression, things like that, acne, bloating, pain, you know, all sorts of pain and heavy, heavy periods and you, you think you might have estrogen dominance, well, you could have estrogen dominance because you're, not, you're, you're a slow comp and it's getting recirculated. So there's, and obviously that's just one factor, right? Well, now we're talking about anxiety, right? So think about all the people who might have been prescribed anti-anxiety meds or antidepressants, which could very well still be very good for them. Um, but it's just, it, it starts to make you think about all the choices and the, and the ways you ended up where you are or where, where you are in your life. And I think it's so interesting because I've always struggled with anxiety. I've always struggled with digestive issues. And I definitely have some estrogen dominant type of features that are happening. And now that I have the testing, I know what to do about it. 
So we will pause there. We'll be back. When we come back from the break, we're going to dive into this even more. We'll talk about some other fun things related to our genetics and stay tuned to the very end. We'll be offering a really special deal for listeners of the She Talks Health radio show. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Sophie Shepard is a functional nutrition practitioner and founder of SHE. Sophie helps busy women all over the world go from hormonal chaos to optimal hormonal alignment so they can live their lives fully without being held back by their bodies. Using the power of functional lab testing combined with life-changing mindset shifts and integrating the entire body's system. If the only thing holding you back is your health, it's time to stop letting hormonal chaos run your world. Book your health discovery call today by going to SheTalksHealth.com. Are you done medicating and guessing your way through the exhaustion, pain, and irritability caused by hormonal and digestive health issues? Sophie Shepard, founder of SHE, will help you go from symptom-ridden and confused to finally having clarity about how your hormones work and confidence in your health strategy in just 10 days. If you are ready to stop living with no energy, brain fog, anxiety, digestive issues, and painful periods, then check out the 10-Day Digestive and Hormone Reboot at SheTalksHealth.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to She Talks Health. If you have a question or comment about the show... Send an email to sophie at she-nyc.com. That's sophie at she-nyc.com. Now back to She Talks Health. Welcome back, everyone. This is Sophie Shepard, your host for the She Talks Health radio show on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I have Dr. Erica Gray here, founder of Toolbox Genomics. We're talking all about how our genetics can affect our health. And this has been so fascinating. I definitely think you should go back and listen to the first half if you're just tuning in now. We are going to switch into respiratory health because this is, of course, top of mind with the coronavirus pandemic still at large uh, affecting everyone. And I believe, Erica, that Toolbox came out with this new panel in response to coronavirus. Can you tell us about this new panel and how it might help someone and uh, I guess not cause more hysteria right uh, during this time? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we I was noticing with all the literature that was being published was that there were three main areas or three risk factors, we would call them, um, for people who would either develop the virus or the symptoms would become much worse. And those areas were um, diabetes, um, metabolic syndrome, really glucose dysregulation, just at a, at a fundamental level. 
high glucose levels, high insulin levels, um, hypertension, so high blood pressure, and then nutrient deficiency. So especially in the area of like zinc and selenium and vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 has just been all over um, the research headlines. It's been fascinating to, to see. And the other part of this is that really one in four people um, are completely asymptomatic. And so, and actually, I think that number is probably even higher at this point. Um, and so what we're finding is that a lot of people want tools to protect themselves because they don't know if they're at risk. They can't get tested. They, you know, the antibody testing is not necessarily, is still in its infancy. And so how can they protect themselves so they can make really good decisions moving into the fall? Because I think what we're going to see is that um, we're definitely on that downward trend of the curve. Um, but as with most viruses, they do tend to come back up again in the fall and the winter because we are just not taking care of ourselves the same way. So I really wanted people to have an opportunity to investigate the areas where they have a genetic predisposition to some of these risk factors so they can take the summer, they can take the fall and really get their health in as good of shape as possible. Because there's been some interesting cases where people have said they were, quote, completely healthy. And I think there's a lot of... there's this um, assumption that we look at people physically and we make a judgment of how healthy they are based on the way that they look. And we don't actually look at their labs. So what we end up finding is that there are people who look quite healthy, but they're actually walking around and they're pre-diabetic. They have pre-hypertension. But again, people aren't testing and they're not following up because they look fine. And this is where the genetics to me is even more powerful because it's going to highlight, hey, by the way, that rising glucose that you're seeing might be actually accelerated because of the genes that you have are predisposing you to type 2 diabetes. It's predisposing you to um, snack more and not be satiated. So you're actually taking in a lot more um, foods that are delicious and tantalizing and they're not as nutrient rich because they're just not as appealing to you. Um, <laughs> so you're saying that for all those ladies out there that think that they just need some more willpower to cut out on the cravings, there could be a genetic reason why they're feeling like they need those snacks. Yes. And why you don't feel full. So that's the other part of it, right? Is satiety. And, um, I think it, and when you realize that now you can actually have a lot of compassion for yourself and just say, okay, I know for the the next month until I get my glucose levels and I get my insulin down, I may just always feel hungry and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with me. It just makes me unique. And it means that the way I'm going to approach my health is going to be different than my neighbor, than my sister, than my mother, et cetera. And I think that's again, really, really important for people to realize. So in this instance, because I I deal with a lot of uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, women who are insulin resistant or pre-diabetic, would a woman like this, you know, take that into consideration in that her, the lever, the main lever she'd want to pull in her health is to eat foods that are going to continue to support her, her blood sugar, um, for example, or um, keep her, her satiated. Is that like how I'm trying to think about how people would hear this on the radio and think, okay, but then what do I do about it? You know, like what, 
what would I do in that situation? And I know we're not giving any medical specific medical advice here, you guys, but I'm just curious, like what would a recommendation from someone at toolbox look like for somebody who's dealing with that specific situation? Yeah. So the two big things is we're going to want to make sure we support um, healthy glucose levels and healthy insulin levels. And so the women that you described, um, if they were to take their blood sugar at home, if they were to get a fasting insulin test, more than likely it is going to be elevated. Um, and again, I think it's also important for us to highlight that there are functional levels um, in blood tests, and then there are the quote normal Uh, levels as well. So really like for insulin, you want people under 10 when you're testing, but that insulin range can take you all the way up to 20. And I guarantee if you are in between that 10 and 20 range, you're, you're probably insulin resistant and you're going to have a much harder time losing weight. Um, if your fasting glucose is over 85, again, this is another area that you're going to need to help Um, support it. And so you're going to be looking at foods, um, supplements, even exercise um, to help increase insulin sensitivity. Because when your cells are more insulin sensitive, you can get the glucose into the cell and help bring the glucose levels down. That's fantastic. Thanks for explaining that. Cause I, I hear, um, I'm going to try to say this without getting emotional. I was just having um, a two hour uh, initial phone call with my new client. Cause I like to do two hour deep dives and she was diagnosed with PCOS, she thinks, which is something that I hate to hear that there's a lot of confusion. Do I even have PCOS? And then she said, well, yeah. And they also mentioned that I, I was pre-diabetic and it kind of came out like, <laughs> like it, I don't know, it kind of came out as um, secondary thought, right? And we know how much this can affect a woman's menstrual cycle, let alone everything else, right, in her in her body. And I was just thinking about her and how she she needs to get this education, right? She needs this information and how she has been told to eat right and to lose weight her whole life. And she eats vegetables. She's gone vegan. You know, she's tried all these things. She drinks her water. She exercises and she does not see results. And so she said to me at the end of the whole two hours, she said, so this is more than just my weight. And I, my heart broke, you know. That is so sad because, and I think, again, that really does drive home the point that we give out this generic information, eat right and exercise. But we're, that really is operating on such an old mentality of the calories in equals calories out. And you know, I mean, it's just, it's such a dated theory. And there's some fascinating studies where they they compare what we tell diabetics to eat. Like it's those six small meals, make sure that your glucose doesn't go too low compared to people who do keto and a low carb diet and how much more success they have um, on the keto or low carb because they are really controlling that those glucose levels and the insulin sensitivity. And it, it comes, and then of course the exercise, well, if you're an endurance, if you have endurance genes, if you have slow twitch muscle fibers, you trying to go out and do sprints and do the high intensity interval training, you may not get the, the results that you're hoping for because your body goes, I can't, I can't deliver what you need. Conversely, there are people out there with fast twitch muscles and they try to go run marathons. 
And our former CEO comes to mind on this because he's a fast twitch. And he would tell us that when he was training for marathons, he had horrible knee pain. He had horrible shin splints. He had to come back from training. He had to ice everything. And it was like, when we got his genetics, it's like, well, no wonder. I mean, though that was not the exercise for you to be doing. It sounds great in theory. I, I will reserve comment on running marathons and what it does, <laughs> the cortisol levels, et cetera. Oh. Well, it's okay. I'll, I'll comment on it when you're done. <laughs> um, so again, knowing, having that information is going to help you make better decisions. And I had this really, I was, I was so honored to be on the summit last week um, with this veteran um, journalist, Stacey Lindsay, who just has done all kinds of different work and absolutely a giant in the industry. And she was talking about making thoughtful decisions when you purchase and being very cognizant of where your money's going and just taking a, you know, like a, a reality check on that. And I thought, well, this is just like what genetics does. It helps you take that little reality check and say, well, do I actually need that exercise? Because wow, it looks great on that Instagram um, ad that came up or Facebook, but does that work for my genetics? And really asking that question because you might end up saving yourself a bunch of money and headache and time and energy. Oh man, this is hugely important. How much money we spend, how many thousands and hundreds of dollars we spend on the wrong supplement, on the hit class that gets us nowhere, on the keto diet or whatever it is. And, you know, it doesn't get us the results. And I'm actually looking at, and I think this is a good segue into, okay, well, then where do I start with genetic testing? Um, so how do I know even with that, where do I invest my money in, in terms of testing? So I'm looking at the, if you go to the Toolbox Genomics site, I believe there is a kind of a, a where do you start? Up, like a, it's called, what is it called? Decision map. Um, yes. And I'm looking at it and it's funny because it's all kind of interweb, but you know, you could start to go through and see where, where you would, where you'd want to know. I mean, it sounds like you'd want to know kind of the whole thing, but I, I guess for me, I'm starting with what is showing up for me right now? You know, where, where is my body kind of not doing great? And I'm starting there just financially, but I'm sure you could build upon that. Could you, could you walk through like the consumer? What, what, what do they do? I mean, I know we have a little bit of a deal for them when um, at the end of the, uh, the end of this, but I'd love to know if I'm looking at toolboxgenomics.com, how do I know where to start? Yes. And that, and that's a, such a great question. So I always tell people it's nutrition optimization. That's where you want to start because we're going to touch upon all the, all the vitamins, all the nutrients. We're also going to touch upon if you are lactose sensitive or if you're gluten sensitive. So right there, that's going to give you a great jumping off point. Then from there, the next step might be to add on the exercise, or maybe you want to investigate the respiratory resilience further because you want to know about do you have any genes that are predisposing you to elevated blood pressure levels? Um, is it for um, elevated glucose levels or elevated insulin? Um, inflammation. I mean, inflammation plays a, a huge role um, just in our overall health. And I think it's really important for people to remember that a lot of times the reactions that we have, like our, whether it's on our skin, whether it's the bloating, whether it's... Um, puffiness. I mean, just a myriad of symptoms is often tied back to inflammation. And the inflammation could be because we're eating foods that our body can't handle. 
Or maybe we have genes which are programming us to have higher levels of TNF-alpha or interleukin-6. And so our immune system is just more vigilant. It's like, oh, you know, that pollen actually, instead of me just sneezing once or twice, I'm going to sneeze 20 times a day because it just revs up my immune system. That's already operating at a little bit of a higher level so much more. And so now you can get that, get, you'll start building out that picture of who you are. Um, and then the other one is the weight loss, because a lot of people are trying to figure out, um, you know, how well do they handle fat? How well do they, do they need more protein? Do they need, are they more prone to snacking, the yo-yo dieting? Um, and then the weight management panel also has the COMT um, in there that we were talking about earlier, as does the respiratory resilience, because I felt it was really important for people to know their COMT status. Um, with the with this pandemic going on and so that they could have a better understanding of, of you know just some more thoughtful decisions in their life. That's incredible. Thanks for walking us through that. So it sounds like, you know, we we would want to start with the nutrition optimization panel, but the the weight management panel is also really supportive for for those folks who well might be trying to decide what kind of macronutrients they need. I mean, we all need macronutrients, but what kinds, how much, um, like kind of getting into that, you know, would a vegan versus keto work for me or saturated fat work for me, that kind of thing. And then um, for getting that insight right now with COVID going on is just understanding that respiratory resilience and the the viral um, susceptibility as well, right? The How the immune system is optimized or not optimized based on your genes and then what what can you do about it to to support um so those would be where you would start exactly and then plus the nutrition optimization is going to give you that quick check-in on the supplements that maybe you are thinking about purchasing or you already have purchased um because if you have a what we call a variant um and you might be what we call um high on the trait impact level, then that's going to be an area that maybe instead of taking 2,000 IUs of vitamin D3, you're going to take 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3. But again, you always want you know, any nutrient that you can test and measure, please, please always test it because you want a baseline so you can make sure that you are adjusting your dosages appropriately and always doing that with your practitioner as well. That brings us back to, I think, a really good uh, part to remind people of. So just because your genetics says something doesn't mean that that's currently how you are turning on that gene. Am I saying the right (laughs) words (laughs) there? Exactly. Because it really, you know, like it may not be affecting you today, it may affect you in five years. And I think there's a great example. So there's a gene called FTO, and some people call it the fatso gene. And all the literature shows, if you have this gene, you are going to be, I believe that's like three to five kilos heavier than the average person. Okay, here's the little nuance on it. A lot of people have that gene because that gene was designed to get us through times of famine and food scarcity. So it makes perfect sense. But FTO acts on another gene and it's that other gene that actually causes that weight gain. And I have seen people, they've, they've called and said, I've been skinny all my life and I have the FTO gene. So what's going on? Their gene was never turned on. It, they, they lived a lifestyle that didn't cause that gene to express itself. So just it's important for people to remember it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. Or you may have your health really dialed in such that it d- never expresses itself. This is interesting too. I'm thinking about people who do intermittent fasting, for example, 
why does that work for some people and not for others? I mean, it sounds like most people have the gene that they can survive that and that might be okay. But in some people, it could potentially turn on another gene that wouldn't be. I don't know if that's what you're exactly what you're saying, but I'm just thinking about people who try intermittent fasting and some are very successful and it's kind of the key to all wellness. And there's even full summits on how intermittent fasting is like the best thing ever. And, you know, I personally have a bit of an issue with that because I think intermittent fasting can be great, but if you're under a massive amount of stress or your hormones are out of whack, your thyroid is screwed up. These are fact, you're, you know, you're menstruating female. You know, a lot of the intermittent fasting research has been done on men. So this is just another, I think, an interesting thing that you brought up that I'm thinking about because I know a lot of people are trying IF right now and some are really successful and some aren't. Um, And I wonder if, you know, genetics play a role in that at all. I think it does. And there's there's definitely more literature coming out about it. Um, I will say this, having tried a couple different versions of IF. Um, so <laughs> very interesting because what ends up happening is there's different ways that people interpret IF. And it appears that the, um, so people who tend to have a huge meal at night, and I'm going to say women, this seems to be a bigger issue for women than for men they may not see the benefits of IF. Um, you really need to be ending your, your eating earlier in the day for that benefit. Um, definitely, as Sophie mentioned, any um, cycle irregularity, if you are stressed and really having a hard time with life, it, intermittent fasting is not the thing to do. Um, it's also something that you always want to ease into. And you also have to be mindful of the foods that you're eating either before or after because it can be very easy to sabotage the results of Mm. intermittent fasting. And I did intermittent fasting using um, butter in my coffee. Um, (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to leave it at that. Um, And I ended up gaining close to 15 pounds and my cycle was all over the place and it didn't work for me until I looked at my genetics. I really got a better understanding. Jason Fung, Dr. Jason Fung is just amazing. Um, and I went ahead and re, so we looked at intermittent fasting um, and looked at it through Prolon, which is that fasting mimicking diet. And it didn't affect my cycle. I was able to do it really well. And I have found that my max is 24 hours. At, at that point, I just can't do anymore. And that's fine because even I have found and what the literature has shown, if you just stop eating at 3 p.m. You, and you don't eat again until the next day <clears throat> and you can get about 16 to 18 hours, you're getting tons of benefit right there. So being mindful of what type of intermittent fasting it is, when do you stop it, and what else is going on in your life is going to be the key to success. But overall, I think what the literature has shown is that there is scarcity at different points in our lives, evolutionarily speaking, and we do need to take breaks from food. We, we Our pancreas needs a break, our stomach needs a break, and we need to actually do that, especially we need to do that at night. I love this. So it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, intermittent fasting is the best thing ever or intermittent fasting is, is the worst thing ever. It's what's going to work for you in your body and what's happening for you right now in your body, right? Like what's, what else is at play and what kind, what kind do you want to do? You know, like 
the the butter and <laughs> the coffee one or or something else. So this is great. Um, I, I cannot wait to get my own test results back. I know um, I'm interested in the comp for sure because I think I'm really sensitive to coffee as well. So um, I guess that would be the, the my last question for you is, you know, when we look at all these different panels, I know you get a lot of information. How do you keep it from overwhelming uh, people? And, and, and what, in what way do they receive the information? Um, is it on email or do they talk to somebody? Um, how does that part work? So you get a PDF, you'll get alerted that your results are ready and you'll just log into your portal and get your PDF and you'll download it. <clears throat> The first place you want to start is there is a trait impact summary and you want to look at that because that's going to highlight and essentially it takes all the different SNPs that we test for and with an algorithm creates a score for you. So this is going to show you where you are high, medium or low from a genetic predisposition to that particular trait, that particular nutrient deficiency. And then what I always encourage people to do, start with the high, now go and ask yourself, do I have difficulty in these different areas that these nutrients support? Yes, no. If you don't, if you don't have any lab work that says that you need to support that, now move on to the mediums. And I actually find the mediums are probably the area where um, it's, the, it's the gray zone, where you're like, well, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. And that's a, that could be a very powerful starting point because now we've got dosages in within the report. So you can just start, start at that baseline low dose and start to see if it makes a difference. Always please bring this to your practitioner, work with your practitioner. Don't go at this alone. Um, But of course, if you have questions or you need help, you can give us a call. You can, um, and we'll, we're, ha- we're happy to, to help you on that. Um, we cannot give medical advice. So I'm just going to put that out there. We can, <laughs> we can help you understand your results. Um, and then from there, now start in, uh, you're really looking at what is the, what are the foods that you're eating? And then what are the supplements that you um, maybe should take or shouldn't take? And what tests do you need to talk to your practitioner about? Because just because you have the gene doesn't mean it's being expressed. And a great way to check in besides some different, you know, like BMI or um, taking your blood pressure or glucose level is actually getting labs with your practitioner. And so like, you know, people like Sophie, um, it could be a Dutch test, a hormone test, a organic acid test, all of those. You want that information because that's going to help you marry the results with your genetics and then take the next step. Fantastic. Thanks for explaining how that works. And I think this is the end of our show, but we'll, um, we'll tell people where they can go. So we have a couple of really special offers we have for anybody who's wanting to look at the basics, the nutrition, right? The detox, uh, endurance, respiratory or health enrichment can go to the link in the show description and you can type in she, S-H-E, at checkout for 10% off any of those panels, correct? Um, almost. Let me help. So you, okay. have to, right, <laughs> you have to type in all of it, toolboxgenomics.com forward slash she, because that is going to be the only way you can actually get access to those panels. And they will get 10% off. 
Okay, great. So if that's you, then enjoy that. I hope you get that. And if you are a woman who is dealing with some complex digestive and hormone issues specifically, um, what I'm offering is a consultation with me where we will discuss whether or not um, doing this type of testing in combination with a GI maps or a Dutch or something else would be of benefit for you. So in order to do that and take advantage of that consultation, you can go to shetalkshealth.com and apply to work with me and we will have a conversation all about what we talked about on today's show. So it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Gray, for coming on. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you for joining us this week for She Talks Health. Please join Sophie Shepard again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another episode of our show on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.